The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. On a Sabbath day, Jesus had gone for a meal to the house of one of the leading Pharisees, and they watched him closely. He then told the guests a parable because he had noticed how they picked the places of honor. He said this, When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take your seat in the place of honor. A more distinguished person than you might have been invited, and the person who invited you both may come and say, give up your place to this man. And then to your embarrassment, you would have to go and take the lowest place. No, when you are a guest, make your way to the lowest place and sit there. So that when your host comes, he may say, My friend, move up higher. In that way, everyone with you at the table will see you honoured. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and the man who humbles himself will be exalted. Then he said to his host, When you give a lunch or a dinner, do not ask your friends, brothers, relations, or rich neighbours, for fear they repay your courtesy by inviting you in return. No, when you have a party, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. That they cannot pay back means that you are fortunate because repayment will be made to you when the virtuous rise again. The Gospel of the Lord. Today's readings led to something of a predicament for me. Every now and then I find myself going down a bit of a rabbit hole with the word. And, and it's, it's, you, get, you get caught down there. I don't know what exactly I'm looking for, but it's a restless journey. And I guess I found myself puzzled by what I'd call the problem of heaven. <laughs> of course, heaven is not a problem. It's our deepest hope. It's our deepest longing. It's what we were made for. But it's a perplexing reality. You know, what does the mind think when it tries to conceive of heaven? Clouds or a big golden grassy field or maybe a, a great banquet like that image we see there. There's many images. Jesus, of course, paints several parables. And he says the kingdom of God is like a dragnet bringing in all kinds of fish. And then the angels will sort them, you know. Or think of when he's talking to the children. And he's marveling at their simplicity and their beautiful attentiveness, obedience, their littleness. And he says, the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. All of these words of Jesus, all of these very countercultural ideas, counterintuitive ideas, ought to prick our mind as we to try and foster our desire for heaven. Because our desire for peace and rest and beatitude in God is really the greatest part of our journey. It's what we want. And if we don't want it, God is not going to force anything on anyone. But God is good. So, aside from the many things that I guess disquieted and confused me, I found myself uh, taking peace in, in the fact, in the idea and in the great fact that, as I said a few Sundays ago, everything in life is gift. Everything in life is gift. This is really the, the solution to the riddle. Who is this God of ours that loves us into being? 
and therefore life is a gift. If you've been to a funeral of late, you would have heard those beautiful words in the prayers where it says, life is now changed, not ended. It's not like the thread is abruptly clipped and then the person vanishes into nothing. No, we believe that our pilgrimage continues and our loved ones, their journey continues because we're all almost in tandem. You know, we're gently walking into the heart of our God who calls us with the great gravity of his love. So life itself is a gift. What do you think is more real? Uh, This life, which certainly is very real, nothing in it is arbitrary, nothing in it is um, an illusion. You know, the joys you feel are real joys. The pains you feel are real pains. The confusion and the enlightenment that you receive, you know, that punctuate your journey, it's all real. But what do you think is more real? This life or the fullness of life into which we're called? The one into which we are journeying. The one where we will, as it says in the book of Revelation, we'll see God face to face. We'll see him like he really is. And therefore, we'll start to see ourselves as we really are. Boggles the mind, doesn't it? That, that heaven could somehow be more real than the life we know. And we know it pretty well. But maybe it's like a baby in the womb. You know, an infant knows the womb pretty, pretty well. It's pressed up against every wall inside there until it emerges and it suddenly realizes there's a bigger, more vibrant, more tactile, uh, more sensory world available to me, which allows me to discover even more of myself, even more of the incredible, unfathomable creativity of God. Well, maybe we're on the cusp of yet another layer of unfathomable depth of life, of beauty, uh, where all our senses will be in effect you know you think you've smelt good aromas and seen beautiful colors and tasted beautiful tastes in this world what's it preparing us for if not the eternal banquet in the company of all the saints and angels and in in the beautiful peace of of god's face you know unsheathed for us i'll finish by saying this If life and the fullness of life is gift, and it is, if it is gift, then as Catholics, we have a very very important distinction to make between works, and we all know what work is, you know, we know what it is to take our tools and to go and plow the field, metaphorically or or literally, (laughs) um, and and to earn our keep by the sweat of our brow, you know, we know what that is. But there's a difference between work and merit. Merit is a very, very important thing in the Catholic life. And I'd explain it like this. You know, there's a certain way to receive a gift. Think of a child, you know, and let's say it's not their birthday, so there's no reason for them to receive the gift other than the fact that they're loved. And they receive this gift and they just snatch it and start to use it. Something seems wrong, doesn't it? I mean, we're not expecting them to pay for it because it's a gift. Uh, we don't want them to give us money or, or anything like that. But it would be appropriate for them to say thank you, wouldn't it? Uh, it would be appropriate for them to exude some kind of joy, gratitude for the gift. If they've really experienced what it is, they wouldn't be able to help themselves. That's what would shine through their face. That's what would be on display in their behavior. 
Well, in the Catholic life, we talk about merit, meriting salvation. It doesn't mean we earn it because it's not something you can earn. Even that gospel passage, um, it, it could leave us confused about this strange economizing of salvation, this weird uh, like, like transactionary way of, of receiving heaven. That's not what it is. Why would I pick the lowest place so that in some weird reverse psychology I can get the highest place? That doesn't sound like it has very much integrity at all. Why would I abase myself so that God lifts me up? Doesn't it seem like a bit of a weird, you know, chess game? No, the fact is God sees us as infinitely precious already. God honors us beyond measure already. He could not honor you more if he wanted to. You're made in his image and likeness. You're, you're bathed in the blood of the lamb, which renders you absolutely worthy of, of his company, you know, worthy of his presence, of his love, of his grace. So it's almost like the gift has been given. Now, how do we merit it? If we can get out of this silly transactionary mode of operation, which the world here conditions us for, you know, I get money in the bank so I can spend it, and then it's, this, it's a silly way of operating. It's a dead way of operating. The spiritual life operates by gift. God gifts us with life, and we gift it back to him. Then he gifts it again, blesses it to tenfold, and we gift it back again. And it's always about the cup running over. So think then of sharing heaven with those who we call the least, the poor, the lame, the blind, the, the, the marginalized, the oppressed. Even the oppressor <laughs> is, is rendering himself least in a, in a way. You know, he's dehumanizing himself by, by being an oppressor. What would it be to live in a way that heaven can be experienced by those around us right now? That's the task of the Christian. Jesus doesn't say, hey, heaven's way over there. He says, the kingdom of God is among you. The kingdom of God is within you. How do we bring it to bear? If we can have a deep, deep concern, not really so much for our own salvation or for our own experience of heaven, that's gift. God desires to give it to you. But rather for the salvation, for the peace, for the welfare of those that are in my peripheries. The least. If we can position ourselves as pilgrims, all one big cohort on a journey into the heart of God, which is heaven itself, and place before us all the least and pick the last place, then our journey can begin.